Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to talk about Rocky Mountain Eurosport in Denver and in Parker. It is an intimate car buying experience, whether it's a foreign car, domestic, luxury ride. They've got the inventory right now. Check it out online at rmuresport.com. They also service all makes and models. They have great finance options. Again, go for a test drive today in Denver or in Parker or check out their inventory at rmuresport.com. Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. All right, let's go out to the hotline. We're bringing our Broncos insider, Cody Work. You can catch his work on milehighsports.com. How are you, Cody? I'm good, Eric. Today was a good day for the Broncos offense. They got things going. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett talked about that two-minute drill in which uh, now it has been corrected that the uh, 35-yard pass to Corlin Sutton was a touchdown, and it was an audible by Russell Wilson. Hackett referred to it as this is kind of a big deal, two minute offense, because this offense is so young being together with that. Did Hackett overstate it or do you agree? Uh, I think I agree because sometimes things change in the heat of, uh, you know, heat of the moment, situational football. And it was a fourth and four play. And, and look, Corlin Sutton had a one-on-one against Ronald Darby and Russ, you know, took the 50, 50 gamble and it paid off. I don't think we would have seen that last year with this Broncos offense uh, if Pat Shermer or Vic Fangio were still around. I don't you know think we why? Would have seen something like that. You know why you wouldn't have seen it? Because one year ago yesterday, Pat Shermer famously said, "We are practicing our incompletions." Remember that? <laughs> oh, I'll never forget Teddy Bridgewater in the Eagles game. It was fourth and goal. He threw the ball away in the back of the end zone in the stands. I that was a really low moment, I think, in Broncos country course of last year. Yeah. After but, t- after Tim Patrick went down, we uh, even talked about the possibilities of how they would how they would react, and they signed and they signed Shepard. And he looked pretty good in practice today, and he's had two years of experience under. Nathaniel Hackett. Does he fit in the mix at all? Well, you know, certainly it's interesting when you look at Darius Shepard's trajectory. He he was able to crack the Packers' 53-man roster twice under Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, And then more recently just came off of playing with the New Jersey Generals where he had 300-something yards, I think 47 receptions and a touchdown, was dealing with a hamstring injury in the USFL. And you know what? His first day as a Denver Bronco, Josh Johnson unloads down deep for about a 60-yard touchdown. Uh, welcome to uh, Denver there, Darius Shepard. It was a good play by him. And uh, Hackett had mentioned in his post-practice press, there was a little bit of an option route where, depending on the coverage, he had the option to sit or he had the option to go. And he said, Darius, he just went. And that's exactly what he did, got behind the defense. Uh, so now he obviously becomes somebody to watch in the preseason as the Broncos have been rotating a multitude of wide receivers in. It didn't matter if it was with the first team, second team, or third team. Oh, every wide receiver is getting an opportunity to get some run with this offense, which they're looking to figure out. How can they maybe add a little bit more production across other players' plates 
with the absence now of Tim Patrick. Well, Hamler was not in the team part today, so that opened it up for Judy Sutton and Washington to be the three wide receivers. Are you starting to take Washington more seriously as a wide receiver candidate? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I believe he's already solidified his roster spot. I mean, what he's been able to do so far in practice He's been able to build trust with Russell Wilson. Heck, today he had a touchdown catch from Russell Wilson uh, in the red zone period. So it just goes to show that those guys are getting on the same page with one another. He's been consistent. He's been stacking days. Now the bigger question is, how does he look next week in Thursday's practice when the Dallas Cowboys come to town? How does he look in Saturday's preseason game against the Cowboys? If he can make plays in that game there, and let's say even if it's like a, he has a 20-yard catch, then that's be a touchdown. He's got the. He's, he's going to have a role on the offense this year, but I do think he is the lock for the return job for Denver because he's always been the first guy out there to get the first kick return and punt return reps. Dulcich getting some snaps with the first team today. He caught a touchdown pass as well. How encouraging is that? Because he hasn't really played much team ball. Oh, it's huge because he hasn't been doing much. And, and I asked Nathaniel Hackett after practice, I asked him his thoughts on you know, what Dulcich has been able to do because he's been ramping things up. He goes from position drills to some team periods a day. And it was on the play where Russell Wilson was rolling out to his right-hand side. And Dulcich was covered, but he back-planted and got open in the back of the end zone and caught his first touchdown in, in training camp so far. A good moment for him. But Nathaniel Hackett had said, you know, he's done a really good job. He's been getting all these mental reps. So for him, he was glad to see him transition that into the physical side by being able to go out there and practice and actually execute and do things. And he said he and Russell in that, you know, on that one play, they were just playing ball. And you know what? It's a good sign, uh, especially as the Broncos look to be better in the red zone this season. With our focus on Patrick going down with the, with the ACL, we forgot at times that Crockett also did the same thing, leaving a void in the running back picture. They signed Max Borgie, a local guy from Pomona High School. Is that just a body for now, or does he have any kind of a shot to stick around? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to tell right now. I mean, because he's on the roster, if he's still on in the preseason and makes plays, you know, he certainly has a chance because it was reported by Mike Cliss that Demaria Crockett actually had a better than 50-50 chance of making the 53-man roster uh, before carrying his ACL. Um, so they used a little bit more Mike Boone today, but Max Borgi is an interesting one because he is a true speedster. Now he does. He is a little undersized at the position, but he's a guy that if he can get to the outside, get an open space, he can make a, a man miss or two. I think that's where the value comes in. His speed is something to keep an eye on. Uh, but Nathaniel Hackett said after practice, they initially wanted to bring him on the roster during minicamp. However, they didn't have enough roster spots at the time to be able to make that move possible. So now they brought him in, and now he's got an opportunity. Hopefully he can do something with it. We're talking with Cody Rourke, our Broncos insider. You can catch all of his terrific work on milehighsports.com. Uh, I'm going to ask you about four or five questions. I'm going to pepper you with them. Please just give me a yes or no, and then I'm going to follow up with the question I want to ask you. Number one, is it fair to say that Javante Williams' biggest weakness is arguably his vision as a runner? Is it fair to say that Melvin Gordon's, one of his greatest strengths, is his vision as a runner? Yes. Is it fair to say that the most successful running backs in a zone-blocking scheme, inside or outside, are one-cut backs that have vision and can get through the hole? Yes. With that, I know I'm sounding more academic than I am real live football. But if all of those things are true, 
wouldn't it be fair to say that Melvin Gordon is a better fit for this offense? I would say right now, absolutely. I'd say his play style translates really well with what Nathaniel Hackett really wants to do inside this offense where he's able to hit that hole and get upfield quickly. Whereas what we've seen with Javante, not that he has struggled, but you know he definitely doesn't have that quick vision right away to be able to hit the hole quickly because oftentimes we've seen him kind of bounce into the back of one of his teammates. Not sure if that's predicated off what the defense is doing when Javante's in the game. Uh, or certainly how they play him, but that's an area where he has to improve it. And I tell you, if Javante can do some of these things that Melvin is doing, he, he'll flash a lot quicker. He'll get a lot more opportunities going forward. But I still think it's going to be a 50-50 balance between these two guys. I think they have different skill sets that they can attribute to this offense, and I think it's something that Nathaniel Hackett does plan to utilize. But, yeah, Melvin Gordon right now does have really, really good vision uh, and and I, I'm not sure if he got banged up at all today. We saw a lot of Mike Boone today with the offense. There was a time where we saw Melvin Gordon come off during the team period where they were moving the ball, and he took off his left shoe. So I'm not sure if his cleat was bothering him. I'm not sure what was going on there. Uh, we'll see if it's anything to, to monitor going into tomorrow's practice. He got a rock in his shoe. I think you guys are nuts. I think Javante Williams is getting at least 280 carries. No, 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 no. No, don't Hold go on. there. Hold on, Cody. You it's said over 300 yesterday. Don't back down on it. We made a bet for a die coat. Yes. Don't start crawling your way back. You said he should have over 300 carries. Okay, and you would like to That's what I see. said yesterday. That's what I thought yesterday. I, so, I, not, so now I, you're changing. No, it to I'll say three. I'll go back to 300. You can go 280. No, come I'll back go to back to 300 because I think that's what's going to happen. They'd be nuts to give him the ball 300 times, Cody, don't you think? That's a ton in a 17-game season, especially against some of the teams that they're going to play and the fronts that they're going to face. I, it's I think that you'd be best suited really trying to give both he and Melvin 15 touches a game in terms of rushing attempts, uh, and then you can maybe utilize them in some passing things a little bit more. But uh, I just have a hard time seeing uh, 280 or 300 based on the fact that we each saw 203 last year for each of these guys. You want in on the bet, too? Well, but hold on a second. Sure. But, but hold on a second. Think about this. Are you referring to 300 touches? Carries. Oh, oh, carries. Over, over 17 games or really 16 games because that's been the standard for for a long time. 17 games. Oh, so you don't think you should go over 300 over 16 oh, games? I, schedule? I'm, I didn't see that. I think you do. I think you do, though. But I think I think he's going to end up with 300 carries. I think that's a mistake for a guy who gets hit as much as he does. Oh, we'll see. If his vision was better, honestly, Cody, I might be down for that, although I really wouldn't be. The problem is he. I know he breaks tackles, but you know what breaking tackles is code for? You're getting hit all the time, right? Yeah, he's a big style of back. I mean, you don't want you want to reduce the amount of like physical contact you take because running back is the most physically demanding. I mean, you can make the argument it's one of the most physically demanding positions in football. What it's asking you to do, and of course, you're going against linebackers and D linemen that are just monstrous. I mean. I do think it'll benefit these guys working against Draymond Jones, DJ Jones, Deshaun Williams, Mike Purcell each day because those guys are sizable guys, and I think if healthy, you're very good against the run. But you want to you want to reduce the amount of overall contact that you're going to get in the span of this you know this long season. And look, if the Broncos' offense gets more opportunities on the field than they did last year, you want to have efficiency between those two guys. Hey, hey, let me say this: I'm really talking to you, Terry, but I want. Cody's opinion about this. I can understand why people want 
I want Javante Williams to, to touch the ball all the time and be the primary runner. Yeah. I, I get that. The problem is that's not what he is. He has never done that in his career. He, he always split carries, even at North Carolina. He's never been the primary back. So now you're asking a guy in the NFL to do something he's never done. Now, if you want to compare him to Jonathan Taylor, that's fine. Jonathan Taylor is 5'10". Javante Williams isn't that much taller. Jonathan Taylor had 332 carries last year. He's used to it. That's what he did at Wisconsin. They run you into the ground. So if, they've, if Wisconsin ran him into the ground, why is he able to have 332 rushes? No, I'm saying he is used to that. Ask Ron Dane or Monty Ball how it worked out for their pro careers. For Jonathan Taylor, it works. For Ron Dane and Monte Ball, it did not. Jonathan Taylor clearly can handle the load because he is used to it. And, Cody, I don't think Javante Williams, I don't think you ask him now to carry the ball 300 times when he's never been yes, a workhorse his entire, his entire career as a pro or a college player. Yes, you yeah, do. I, I, I just don't see it happening because they didn't do that with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones last year. That was almost kind of the same thing. They had a by-committee approach, but they split a lot of the carries, which I imagine I don't see Hackett doing anything different. And here's something else to consider because it is zone blocking now. I think you could make the case that Melvin Gordon, if they each have 203 touches, if they each have 203 touches, I'll make a bet with somebody right now that Melvin Gordon has more yards per carry because it's zone blocking and it's one cut. What do you think, Cody? I think it's possible he did it last year. I mean, but they were really close. Melvin had 4.5 yards per carry last year, and Javante had 4.4, which the amount of times it was after contact, I think, is unbelievable. It's right. It's crazy he was able yeah. to be that efficient Among the after best contact. in the league. Among but, the best in the uh, league. Can he, can he do it with the first hole? Can he hit the hole? and get positive yards without contact first. You know, I think that's a big challenge we want to see him accomplish this year. He's going, he's going to be adaptive. He's going to, he's going to be less aggressive about contact. He'll adapt. He's not going to be less aggressive. He'll adapt. He's not going to change he'll his adapt. style. He'll find the seam. He'll see it, and he'll, he'll be the 300 carry back. Cody, do you think a guy, after playing as much football as he has, is suddenly going to change his style because the offense is different? I mean, I think that what we've heard Nathaniel Hackett say, they want to do everything. They want to run this offense based on what they believe players do best. Yeah, and what exactly. Good at. Right. So. I think so, too. And, oh, by the way. Okay, guys. It's not about yards. It's about scoring. And who's better at scoring? It's been Melvin so far. It's been Melvin for the last six, seven years when you look at anybody in the NFL. And yeah, I'm Right and, behind Melvin Kamara. And I'm not a big Melvin Gordon guy. I like Javante Williams. I wish he would be that guy. I would like to see him have he will be. 55% of the carries. He what will. I, I, well, he's not going to go over 300 unless there's an injury. This isn't back in the day in the 1970s, Terry, where you give the ball to Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, Tony Dorsett 300 times. It's a different game. I know. There are very few. Give me credit for knowing that. I mean, this NFL has become, don't you think, Cody, where you don't want to have a workhorse all the time. I, I think most teams no. don't. Well, look what happened to Derrick Henry finally last year. It caught up to him. Right. And Derrick Henry, he's the exception. He's the 1%. He's the one guy right. that nobody thought would break down, and he did. And they needed another guy. They didn't necessarily have another guy behind him. And I think that going forward, 
Like, while fantasy football managers would love Derrick Henry to continue getting what he used to get, I think the Titans will even approach him differently this year and reduce his workload, have a one-two punch, which makes sense. And I think that that's where the game's kind of transitioning to. And here, and here's something else that I, that I would throw out there. I understand how great Jonathan Taylor is. And he had 332 carries and 1,800 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's fantastic. But you know who's career, who his career is going to mirror if they keep this up? Andrew Luck. Yep. Yeah, they're very similar players. Well, they didn't get an offensive line for Andrew Luck, and he's out of the league. And if they if they keep running Jonathan Taylor like they are, they're going to run him out of the league. He'll have a six year career. It'll be over for him. You can't treat you can't treat these guys like commodities unless you you want to not necessarily split their carries. Javante I think should have fifty five percent of the carries. What do you think Javante wants? He wants seven hundred. Uh-huh. He wants seven hundred carries. He wants the ball every time. All athletes do. But they're too dumb to realize that they can't carry the ball fifty times a game if they want to have a career. Right, they want the ball every time. Yes, ask, they do. Ask Russell Wilson. That's, he, the, that's the personal drive in, in, yeah. at an egoist position. Yeah. Ask Russell Wilson how many times he'd like to pass the ball. You know what he'd say? Well, every time, and he'd be out of the league now because he'd be sacked so many times and injured. Well, that would solve the problem because Williams would have seventeen carries and Gordon would have eighteen. Cody, thanks for being part of the disagreement that I've had with Terry. We appreciate your input, <laughs> and we will talk tomorrow. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. See you, pal. Coming up after the break, ESPN had a very interesting article on off-season moves. Graded every team. What did he give the Nuggets? I got to tell you, when I read it, I was kind of surprised. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for a wholesale loan with the public, Go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, I want to talk about a great place you need to go in Lakewood. It's the best sports bar out there by far because they have so many things going on. They have live music every Friday and Saturday. No cover. That's Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar. They just don't have like one or two pool tables. They have an entire pool hall. Best happy hour by far in the country. Yeah, you heard me correctly. Two for one, wine, well, and drafts every single day, three until seven. Two for one. That is unbelievable. They have all kinds of leagues as well. Menu's really good. Outdoor patio. Head on over to Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. You're going to love it. And tell my man, my good friend Chad, I say, hey, time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Eurosport. Go for a test drive today in Denver or Parker because everyone deserves a luxury car buying experience. Or find them online at rmurosport.com. Okay, so ESPN 
Uh, there was an article that was written, and it was about grading each team for its offseason moves. You and I have been very complimentary mm-hmm. about the Nuggets' offseason moves. Kevin Pelton wrote this article. He gave the Nuggets a B-. This is what he wrote. Denver's combination of offseason moves represented an interesting gamble. By adding Contavious Caldwell-Pope in exchange for Will Barton and Monte Morris, the Nuggets strengthened their starting five at the expense of their depth. Signing Bruce Brown Jr. with the taxpayer mid-level exception helped replenish the wing rotation, but Denver is relying on second-year guard Bones Highland to play point guard behind starter Jamal Murray, who is returning after missing the entire season due to an ACL tear. What do you think of this assessment? I agree that it... Will Barton is almost addition by subtraction, and, and in the sense that that uh, it's better off without him around. And I realize that that's a, that's subtraction. And I do think, though, the one point I think he he's, he misses here is Jamal Murray's not coming back and playing twenty eight minutes for the first half of the season. Actually, they're going to limit his minutes early on. They're limiting his. They, minutes. they are going Mike, to to like twenty minutes. Michael a game. Malone has been very has been. Very honest about that up yep. front. He admitted that that's what's going to happen. Correct. So, so don't run out and have him activated in your fantasy league thinking he's going to replicate the bubble in the first two months of the seasons. So I think that's the one point he needed to emphasize a little more. If Bones Highland is backing him up, Bones Highland's going to be playing. Well, th- that's the part that I actually agree with, that Monte Morris is a better point guard than Bones Highland. But you don't build your team around fearing that one of your starters is going to get hurt. But even if it's KCP, it could be anybody. You don't, you don't build your team around KPJ. I'm getting all the right. Kevin Porter jr. Even if he's the one you're worried about getting hurt again, if I know Murray has a history of injuries, which he doesn't, then maybe I try and keep Monte Morris, but he has come back talking about Murray's coming back from a torn ACL. But you can't build your team around that. And I understand Bones Highland is going to be playing pretty decent minutes early on, but eventually Murray's going to be the point guard, when he still is, moving forward. And by midseason, and probably earlier than that, if we're being completely mm-hmm. honest, he is going to be playing the majority of the minutes. So I understand his point about Bones Highland. But again, you cannot build a team around fearing somebody being injured. To his point, they, they made their starting five better. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. Yes. You're right. And at the end of the day, in the playoffs, your starters are going to be playing 38 to 42 minutes. I would rather have a stronger starting five. Okay. I'd rather have a starter strong uh, starting five than have a stronger bench and a weaker yeah. starting five. That doesn't make but, any sense to me whatsoever. Can we all agree, though, that, that, uh, Cal- that Caldwell Pope and Bruce Brown are both great additions? Yes. Because they're D and threes. Yes. Because they're both very good three-point shooters. They are better defensively. Uh, They finally have a shooting guard who can shoot. He's not a great shooter, but he's a very good three-point shooter. And he plays really good defense. And And, and then they have Brown, who's a really good three-point shooter and can play defense. What was the... And and Brown Brown can play the point in a pinch. I'm sure he could. So the bottom line is, did you get better defensively, which is where you were sorely lacking last year? Absolutely. And I think that's what Pelton is missing in his analysis. What would you give him? I'd give him, at minimum, a B plus. I, I, wrote, down a, I wrote down A minus. Yeah. So I'm a college professor, and I'm an easy grader. Well, 
Either way, we're in the same neighborhood. There's not much of a difference between an 88.5% and a 90.5%. We're in the same league on that. And they strengthened their team where they needed to. And I understand what everybody's saying about DeAndre Jordan coming in. He <laughs> he is a veteran. He was good a few years ago. He was, he was good about seven, eight years ago. He is a veteran. He's not going to get a ton of playing time, but he's a veteran. He's a smart player, high basketball IQ, and all you need him for is defense. You don't need him to score. Mm-hmm. But getting back to KCP and also um, also Bruce Brown, your scoring is going to come from three guys anyway. It's going to come from three guys. Kind of, the, kind of the way the Nets set it up with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie Irving. That's what this team is. A big three in terms of scoring, and then you need to fill out the rest of the roster with some guys who can score, but be strong defensively. That's the way they built their team. And that's what I like. So what you're saying is that if they straighten their start, strengthen their starting five, they're strengthen their playoff lineup. There's no question because they play the majority yeah. of the minutes anyway. Again, if I had a choice between a weaker starting five and a stronger bench or a strong starting five where you have lots of versatility, um, where you have Aaron Gordon, who's a terrific defensive player, and by the way, he can score if you need him to. You just don't want him to score. Mm-hmm. The, the Nuggets' biggest problem last year was playing the Golden State Warriors, and Aaron Gordon had to guard the perimeter. So if anything, the, then it's an A++ what they did because now they have two guys who can guard the perimeter. But the real evidence is going to come after Jamal Murray if he gets back 200% in his work. Into Same the with line. Michael Porter Jr. If either of those guys are... are Average, this upcoming season, they have no shot. None. Could they pick up steam late in the season, sneak into the playoffs if they're playing well late in the year, sneak into the playoffs somehow, play in even, if and all, go from there? If all three guys are firing in all cylinder, cylinders, knowing the potential mm-hmm. for Michael Porter Jr., knowing what we saw from Jamal Murray in the bubble and Jokic being Jokic, they are a very dangerous team. They are a dangerous team and a team you don't want to face, I think, because you're going to have at least two solid defenders on the floor every single game with either either KCP, Brown, or Aaron Gordon. You're going to have that. And when Jokic is on the bench, I don't know how much DeAndre Jordan has left in the tank. You're not (laughs) going to expect him to score. But defensively, that's that's where this guy made his money. Can he still do it? I don't know. I haven't really watched him play. I guess we'll find out, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every time Boogie Cousins had a nice game offensively, like, ooh, it's a Boogie Cousins. Oh, I was ball. a big Boogie yeah. Cousins fan. I thought they should have brought him back. Coming up after the break, UFC superstar Conor McGregor is going to make his acting debut in an 80s classic movie that is very much a guy movie. We'll tell you what it is. We're also going to talk about what are the, some of the best movies that have been remade and what are some remakes that were nowhere near as good as the original. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Harmazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. 
You got some Danny Bailey producing, and you very nicely done. Yeah, he loves the themes, and I'm trying to follow that. Now, what's interesting is, this is from Dirty Dancing, as you know. But you know who sang the song? Bill Medley. Patrick Swayze. Oh, that's right. Patrick Swayze sang this song. Listen, nobody puts Baby in a corner. Welcome back. Afternoon drink. Nobody, nobody puts Terry in a corner. I'm not suggesting you're a baby, but nobody puts you in a corner. Nicely done. Uh, welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. Reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is brought to you by Pinnacle Builders, the best in home remodeling. Go to PinnacleDen.com. UFC superstar Conor McGregor is going to be making his acting debut in a remake of the 80s classic movie Roadhouse. Very much a guy movie. Starred Patrick Swayze. Let's start with this. But Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play. Gyllenhaal is going to play the lead. He's not. He's playing the Swayze part. Oh, okay. With that, uh, what are some of the best movies that have been remade? We talked about this briefly during the break. You said only two. I have a longer list. Oh, there's two. a whole long of good movies that have been remade. That, but a lot, most of them are not as good as the original. Oh, I can give you about five or six that are better than the When I say them to you, I think you'll be like, oh, yeah, that, I can see that. So go ahead. What do you got? Well, the the one that doesn't measure up in the sports realm is The Longest Yard. That was ridiculously no, wh- remade. No, wh- what were good, better remakes than the original? That's what the, that's the question. Okay, better, What are better remakes? West Side Story. Oh, my God. I could not disagree more. That's on my other list. Oh, okay. I thought that was absolute... My wife is here from Scotland. That was absolute shite. Oh, it did a better job of casting, getting real oh, people play the roles. Thought it was absolutely putrid. I, I turned I it off. It a half really, hour. I, I it turned it off a half hour in. I thought it was awful. I thought it was better than the original. Okay, what else you got? Uh, what uh, Casino Royale? Yes, I can see people saying that. No question. A star, and a star is born with Lady Gaga. Ooh, see, that's on my list too. Now, now I have a solid seven. And if you don't disagree, if you don't agree with me on any of these, then you know nothing about movies. And I'm kidding when I say that. Uh, uh, how about we're looking for remakes that were better than the original? Yeah. Okay, then I would say True Grit. Okay, uh, and that's really well, now you've named that's four. really that's really uh, uh, uncommon opinion. I realize. Okay. Because John Wayne was in the original and all that. Crap. So you named four, and I'll give you one, two, three. I have Stars Born. Four, five, six, seven. Okay. More. Ocean's Eleven. Far, oh, far better. Far better than the original with the rap. I had written it down, but I didn't include it on my final list. The Departed. A lot of people don't know that the movie The Departed with Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Mark Wahlberg, I think Robert De Niro, or whoever. I, you're going to say, I did not know that was a remake. No, I'm saying most people don't. I don't. It was. It was. It, it was a movie that was made in China, or oh, Hong okay. Kong, I should say, and then they did it in No, the I States. did not know that. That's a remake. Dune, far better than the original. Far, far, far better. I have Star is Born. Batman Begins with Christian Bale, far better. That was might be the best Batman movie of all of them, how, how uh, Bruce Wayne got his start. This one is not debatable. <laughs> because I think this is one of the worst movies of all Should time. Should I debate this? Should I get I think, ready to debate? I think this movie is such shite. I could not believe when a good friend of mine, who is a Broadway producer, oh, I, I know this told story. me 
he was making this new musical and he asked me to invest and i said that movie is terrible he goes trust me this is I good know the one you're talking right about. i sat in his living room he played the demo for me i said the music is hilarious the the lyrics are hilarious written by mark shaman um hairspray far better than the one by john waters yes i never saw the dark original Okay. That was a campy movie. Les Mis with, uh, who is the, is it the, uh, the Scottish actor? He does a lot of movies where he's a, Liam oh. Neeson. Yeah. Yes. Much, much, much better as the musical version. Then what? Then what? Well. Oh, I mean, the, the, all the old, the old. Liam Neeson. N- non-musical Les Miserables. Liam Neeson was Jean Valjean. In in the in the movie production mm-hmm. of Les Mis, and then they turned it into a mu- movie musical yeah. with I can't remember his name. Uh, he was um, and um, oh gosh, he's probably one of the best singer actors dancers out there. And actually, I saw him. Hugh actually, Jackman. Hugh Jackman, much better than the one with Liam Neeson. I like the one mm-hmm. with Liam Neeson. And you may not know that this was a remake, Father of the Bride. I saw that that was a remake, but I didn't remember. Seeing it, father. So that's seven, mm-hmm. and you said two originally. Then you upped it to four. Well, so, but my point was, I, I I had a list of both of both the movies that should not have been remade because the remakes were so awful. Okay, so I don't. So I had th- a list of those. Two, I don't think West including the longest yard, Footloose, uh, uh, Psycho, yeah. Psycho. Might there have been the there best we go. Example. I agree with all those. Here, I I thought. West Side Story was awful with Steven Spielberg, and Steven Spielberg's great. We could disagree to disagree on that. But that was so—it was such phony casting in the original. It was much more, much more realistic and honest in the casting of the remake. Yeah, to me, it was too much. Uh, But a lot of kids will disagree with this. I don't think I. I, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is a classic, Mm -hmm. and as much as I love Tim Burton, and as much as I love Johnny Depp. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was so dark that it just wasn't enjoyable to me. And my mm-hmm. daughter loves that. And I'll give you another movie they never should have remade, Aladdin. The one with Robin Williams, uh-huh. the, the animated one, uh-huh. was outstanding. Yes, it was. And then they remade it. We with, didn't even with, realize with that. actual people. Like, not, oh, that, yes. Yeah, don't yeah, touch they, it. They did that with Lion King, too. Yeah, yeah, don't touch that. Just let it go. Just let that one go. All right, what do we have coming up on Argonaut Wine and Liquor, just in case you missed it? The Broncos have signed a running back, and some locals here in Colorado might recognize his name. We'll let you know who that player is. And this NBA star is now eligible to sign an extension with his current team. That's coming up next on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry. Watch us, smileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. No and I were talking about this during the break. Let's add another movie, at least in my opinion, to the list of better remakes. 
the original Superman mm-hmm. versus the remake of Superman mm-hmm. with uh, Henry Clavill. Is that his name? Henry Clavill. I thought the second. I thought Cavill. The, uh, Cavill. Henry K- Cavill. How do you pronounce his name? Yeah, uh, no one says Cable. Either way, I thought the remake was fantastic. The one with Christopher Reeve is really good. I thought the remake was better. Uh, with that, time now for the final word. The final word. Is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan. With Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it, is presented by Argonaut Wine and Liquor. You need to see why Westward named it the best liquor store in Denver. Five years running. Or order online at ArgonautLiquor.com. Yesterday, the Broncos signed running back Max Borgie. He had a minicamp tryout with the Broncos in June. Uh, but fans might recognize his name because he was a star football player at Pomona High School in Arvada. He scored a touchdown in a 5A state championship win at Empower Field at Mile High. A little bit similar to the Philip Lindsay situation. Any thoughts on the signing of Borgie? Well, what's not similar is that he went to Washington State and uh, instead of Colorado, and Colorado took a lot of grief for not recruiting him. Well, Colorado took a, didn't take enough grief for saying to Christian McCaffrey, we think you're better at defensive back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of mistakes there. Uh, lots of mistakes. Talk about not putting a fence around the state. Some of these coaches have no idea what it, what they should be doing, which is there is some talent in this state. Borgie had no business leaving. Zero. And you could say that about a lot of guys. I just think if he makes the team, we'll have to hear every time every time he's involved in a play, the television announcers remind us that he's from the area and he was an undrafted free agent. Right. Right. And, and you know what we're also going to get this season if Borgie plays? Not talking about Borgie. But we're going to see that great graphic about how many starting quarterbacks the Broncos have had since Manny <laughs> retired. The carousel. Right. And then we could also uh, talk about how many times the announcers in year, what, three now uh, are mispronouncing Okawebina. Terry can say it pretty yes, well. Yes, I can. <laughs> Just in case you missed it, LeBron James is now officially eligible to sign a two-year, $97 million extension with the Lakers. Do you think LeBron should extend his contract or wait to see how things play out with the Lakers roster leading up to training camp? Well, the way it sounds like around the league, they're pretty much of the opinion that he'll have a player option on the second year, and so he can ride his own ticket that way. He signed a two-year deal, is that what you said? Uh, he, he's officially eligible today to sign a two-year, $97 million extension. So the question is, should he commit himself to the Lakers for that long? If he has a player option on the second year, the thinking is... It's kind of it's kind of half and half. Well, let's wait to see, and I'll tell you what I think LeBron James is waiting on, because he's actually talked about it. His son, Bronny James, better known as Bron Bron, um, he is in high school right now, okay, and he has said he wants to play with his son in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So let's see what the NBA does, because Michael Silver has talked about it. It's Michael Silver has talked about it. Adam, Adam. Silver. Adam. Michael Silver is the writer. I, I, that's why I paused for a second. Um, Adam Silver said they would like to make it, you can come right out of high school, 18. So I think LeBron wants to wait to see what happens with Bronny before he signs any type of long-term deal because he said he wants to play with his son. 
Just in case you missed it, Mercedes-Benz Stadium will begin testing some new tech that could allow fans to enter games and shop concessions using facial recognition. A trial will begin Saturday with 50 to 100 Atlanta United uh, season ticket holders with plans to expand to the Falcons this fall. What do you think of this? How many? Uh, 50 to 100. Just to see if it works. It's like a test. It's like a test run. It's yeah. not much of a test. That's not much of a test. Well, then they'll expand it. If it works with 100, then they'll try at 500. Then they'll go to 1,000, they'll go to 5,000. You feel a little, uh, I don't know, that almost seems a little creepy. What, having somebody deliver food to you? No. The, the facial mapping and everything. That's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with it. If somebody's going to deliver food for me... I don't care if they see what I look like. When somebody delivers a pizza, I open e- the door. Even when and you then put, they see what I look even like. Even when you put ketchup on the hot dog? Well, you, we both know that only you do that. Just in case. Because you're not a Chicagoan like I am. Just in case you missed it, Major League Baseball plans to return to London next year for the first time since 2019. The league announced today that the St. Louis Cardinals and Chicago Cubs will play a two-game series next June at London Stadium. Uh, The NL Central rivals were supposed to play in 2020, but the games were canceled because of the coronavirus. Um, How cool is that? They're going back to London. Well, it's pretty cool, but they're also clearly trying to expand their market. And uh, their imprint. Yeah, because they're losing the market here. They need to find another. <laughs> they have to find another continent. And by the way, the only bat and ball sport that is popular and will remain popular cricket? is cricket uh, over there. Baseball's losing it here. Concentrate on promoting yourselves here in the states. Why are you going over there? The NFL is saturated in the United States. That's why they're looking at other markets, meaning other countries. Baseball isn't doing a good enough job here. What, they're suddenly going to build a fan base? Well, they're marketing themselves at the British Open. Yeah, yeah. The absolute biggest waste of any type of marketing dollar. Putting a Major League Baseball patch on a golfer's sleeve at St. Andrews. Brilliant use of marketing dollars. That's so crazy. Uh, Last one before we get out of here. Rockies up 7 By the way, can I say one more thing? Go for it. Because clearly... They're, they're trying to... Skew- so, so as soon as he said Rockies, you cut him off. No, no, no. Oh, no, you can finish. Baseball, okay. Golf is an older person's sport, right? Oh, generally speaking, right? In terms of watching it, what are they trying to capture? Baseball's trying to capture young people. Yes. So they're advertising in a sport that usually people in their 30s and 40s watch. That doesn't make any sense. Hit the generation that you need to hit. Not the old course double entendre at St. Andrews. So what's going on with the Rockies? Oh, they they have won the ball game 7-3 over the San Diego Padres, and this means they will avoid the five-game sweep. <laughs> Would have been the first five-game sweep in Major League Baseball history wow. um, because they had the built-in doubleheader on, on Tuesday. So what do you think they have to do the rest of the way to, make, to get the second wild card? Win just about every game and hope the other teams lose. They have to uh, go back in a time machine with the flux capacitor to 2007 and win, uh, I think, 13 of 14 to close out the regular season. Mm-hmm. That's what they need to It'll do. It'll work. Oh, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for us. Nolan, great job today, as always. I know you're excited for the Cardinals to be playing in London. Are you going to try and go to that game? No? He says no. No interest. Yeah. Um, well, now that, now that um, you know the Cardinals don't have soda, there's really no reason to watch, at least for the rest of the season. Right? All right. Alex, great job today. Sammy, you, Terry, make it the best possible night you can. Well,